Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. Ori, we talk about classic cars, but we've gone above and beyond. What did we have? I think this week, Mick, we always said we wanted something really ultra classic. And to have a 1964 Ferrari 250 Berlinetta Lusso. How good is that? And we've got Grant with us. Grant, the owner, thank you very much for allowing us to experience a true classic in every sense of the word. You're welcome, fellas. We'll talk about the driving later, but Grant, tell us about the 250 and how you come about that. Oh, well, I've always loved the cars. I loved it for years and years. I hunted this particular car down the first time I went to try and buy it. I wasn't successful. Um, Clearly, I I wasn't uh, good enough with the offer, and the car slipped through my hands. And I I kept watching it, and... um, and lo and behold, probably three or four years later, uh, it popped up again this time, and this time I made sure that I actually secured it. So. How, how many of them were made, Grant? Uh, 351. And this is an original right-hand drive? So they only made, what, 20-odd right-hand drives or something, was it? Somewhere between 19 and 22. Okay. The Italians were a bit loose with the record. Yeah, they were a bit. And none were delivered to Australia? Not that I'm aware of, no. So, and you've had it for 18 years. So that is some, you know, what you talk about time with cars. That is brilliant. And tell us some of the things you've actually done some rallies with them as well. You had oh, I've done a, a number of the Mackay V12 rallies over the years. I've um, I've participated in the, the Grand Prix events in the car. I just had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I've taken my kids in it. They've done lots of bits and pieces in it with me. So the Mackay the Mackay Rally. I mean, this is an Australian rally they do, yeah. and it's for just V front engine V twelves or just V twelves pre nineteen seventy three nineteen seventy three. Yeah. So they collect they they got together forty of the what they considered the most significant V twelve Ferraris that were in Australia, and um, a bunch of us got together and uh, did a rally generally through um, Victoria. So the Victorian Club organised it, and uh, they did a wonderful job. I mean, they knew how much we actually liked uh, to go out and wine and dine and they put together a really good tour through some fantastic roads and uh, we had a, a really wonderful time. Doing and it. what sort of cars were in that group? Yeah. I mean, and how many your, cars? Well, there were 40, so it was limited wow. to 40. 40 cars? Oh, limited to 40. So there could, there could be more. There, there could be, but I mean, uh, I'm not sure how many more were left around the country. I mean, we were, we were really digging up some fantastic cars and there was everything from... Uh, 195s through to uh, 365 GDC4s. A 195, one of the real early ones, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that car used to come down from uh, Queensland. It was a fantastic old car. Uh, and then a Victorian got hold of it and um, and he used to bring it on a couple of the runs. It was just, you know, there's some fantastic cars out there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we've lost a lot of them uh, back overseas with the escalating prices but um there's still some serious collectors that yeah it's a pity you don't see more out in the road you know club days and you know so the rallies you don't see many of them at all you might see the odd 400i or 365 gt 2 plus 2 but not many of the you know the 60s the 250 series cars like what we drove the 250 gt berlinette Toulouse. Yeah. that's something well, you probably don't see them in Adelaide, but you will, will certainly see them at, at events in Melbourne and Sydney. So, so they do come out. Yeah, they do come yeah. out, and there's there's some some good shows over there. And the guys that organise it in, particularly in Melbourne, have done a wonderful job. They've done it over, you know, the past twenty or twenty five years that I've known. That they do a fantastic job of putting these rallies together for people. So, how many of your car, nineteen sixty fours, would there be in Australia that you know of? Right hand drive. I think mine's the only right hand drive car. Um, uh, there is uh, there's certainly 
uh, a couple of other ones. I think there's four in total, and I think they've been converted from left hand to right. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah, the conversion we talk about that it's it's, it's certainly better to leave it original. Well, it's up to each person at the end yeah, of the day. That's I mean, true. you can always put them back. So uh, if somebody's more comfortable converting it to a right-hand drive and they're more comfortable driving it that way, I, I personally choose to leave them the way they are. Um, and and you, you've only touched the chrome you mentioned. Otherwise, you've left the car pretty much all original as you purchased it. Yeah, yeah. Just maintained it. Just maintained it. Um, you know, the mechanical side of it, you know, when things have needed replacing, you, you just look after that side of it. But... In terms of the patina, I wanted to keep the car as original as possible. So it looks fantastic, and to see it live, I mean, seeing photos on and looking at photos do not do it justice. Definitely do not do it justice. In the flesh, it's something else. You walk around the vehicle, the lines, the shape, the angles—just gorgeous. Those front lights, the grille. The, my God, there was nothing. Even in when you sit in those racing seats, how comfortable they are, Grant. We couldn't believe. We thought. Well, they were really I thought they were very oh, yeah. comfortable. I, I mean, loved the, it. The back is not adjustable, so you can only just move it forward and and back. Well, as a passenger, I was more than comfortable. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I've driven at some pretty long distances, but I okay. end up putting something down my back to you know. There's no lumbar yeah, support, enough. so. You know, see, but you're a you're, you're a taller man than what Mick is. Yeah, for me, the so seats maybe... were very good. But again, I mean, we drove it for what oh. an hour and a half, maybe. So, and I wasn't tired at all, and. In saying that, I was a very privileged grant to be able to drive it uh, through the hills in Adelaide Hills, which is fantastic. The big timber steering wheel, the original steering wheel, just just gorgeous. I mean, the dash and the layout of the gauges, Mick. You know, it's something the different with the, the speedo and the tacos closer to you, yeah. which is the more important one, of course. So that's why they do that. But, you know, you've driven a lot of the older cars. You had the 250PF as well. Did you, did you say you still got that or? No, that's no, gone. That's gone. And that was similar in terms of driving, although you said it's probably a better driver or not really? I actually preferred that on a long-distance run. It was um, a little more relaxed in terms of the gearing. Um, it had electronic overdrive, so that actually made quite a difference in that car. Okay. Yeah, what I what I noticed, the pedal box, the pedals come up from the floor of the car, and uh, previously I've driven ones with the, the pedals coming up through the floor. I drove the 330 GT. The two plus two, uh, but I found with this one here, maybe because I was sitting lower, that it wasn't as intimidating with it coming out of the bottom. But I thought coming out of the bottom was a bit awkward yeah. before. But I, I thought they were fine. So with that PF, same engine we were talking about it before, and then the two fifty short wheelbase, which you've driven one also. What's that like to drive? That's my one of my favourite Ferraris of all time. Well, it is. It's one of the great great Ferraris. So it's it's a real uh, joy to have a have a go in that car. It's um. So what the difference in the two in the Luso to that? What is it? Is it more sporty? Is it you know what is it? It is more sporty car. I think it's just basically in the carburetors, but that thing okay. really gets up and goes, and it makes a fantastic noise. So. Uh, which this makes an unbelievable noise. Once up you're above up about 5, the four, four, four and a half thousand revs. But the wheelbase on the short wheelbase compared to this one here, it's similar, isn't it? Or the same. It's just this body's a bit bigger to make it more luxurious. I don't think there's a great deal of difference in the length in the cars. Um, I think the, the, the length is pretty much the same. Um, yeah, I, I think they're pretty similar cars other than uh, 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 the value of the uh, the short wheelbase is uh, quite significantly higher. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other one we talked about, Grant, is the 275 GTB. Uh, now, I've never driven one. You've driven a 275? No, I haven't, but oh, I've right. always wanted one. So I thought it was one of the uh, the most handsome cars that they ever made and always wanted one and 
it was like the Lusso, sort of the first time I went to try and get one. That one got out of my hands, and and I never never went back and uh, and tried again, which is. Uh, is um, a bit of a regret, I guess, at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, I do like the the two seven five. You've always said that. I always like them. In terms of the performance, you know, the gear the gearing is actually quite high gearing. So off the line, it takes a bit to get going. But it's a GT car. It's a GT car, so it's made for the long long distance continental. You know, going across the continents. Well. What was, what was your expectation, Mick? Before you had driven the car, thinking about it, knowing that we we're going to do this today, you had some sort of expectation of what you thought this car would drive. Well, on. I have driven uh, the two hundred and fifty PF, but that was only a short trip, and yep. I was it was very intimidating for me at that time because naturally, you know, they've got some value, and you know, yep. you've got to be careful and things like that. But I did notice that was quite highly geared too. I think from memory, the first gear was. And by the time you sort of get you settled in the seat, I, I came back in. Whereas with this 250, uh, after probably the first, I don't know, probably 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I felt good and the car felt good. I was looking at, because I'm actually quite short, so I was looking between the top of the dash and the top of the steering wheel. So I was, that was my, that was, was my view. line of sight. Yeah. yeah, we were watching. <laughs> so from, from the front, could you see my head or not really? Well, you could see sort of your eyes had to be peering through the steering wheel. So all I could yeah. think of was, you know, the little old lady driving down to church. Yeah. So that's uh, driving that's Miss Daisy. Looked, well, that's what he looked like. But, but I'll tell you what, I got very comfortable because I would rather another notch forward on the seat, but it, it didn't go any more forward. So so I lent, lent in a bit and got that little view. So that was perfect. Well, you could have pulled the phone book out of the back of the car and put it behind you. You've got it there, have you, on, <laughs> on standby? <laughs> No, I thought it was unbelievable. Just sitting in there to space. It's a big car. It's actually quite a large car when you sit inside of it. I mean, you know, passenger and driver, we had plenty of space. That beautiful centre console part with the gear. And you said, you know, the gear stick's quite high, but it actually makes It's in the sense. right spot. It's in the very right spot. You know, the gear stick's in the right spot. The gears are nice and tight. Steering's light. It was lighter than my GT4. Mind you, the bigger wheels on the GT4 doesn't help. Um, and then the space at the back with a back parcel shelf. Which yeah, well, you strap all your luggage in there because the boot's actually full of a spare tyre, so... Right, That's okay. where you, you strap your luggage in for the uh, the naughty weekend away. And it's a full-size spare tyre, correct? Yeah. With the um, the same knock-off wheels? No space saver back in those days. Yeah. No space yeah, okay, saver. Yeah, that's right. I've got a space saver in my 360. Yeah. UK import. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other thing I noticed as well, uh, going through the gears... You know, when you kept it to four and a half to five thousand in the sweeping row, the sound was was absolutely phenomenal. Yep. You know, it was a big difference between just keeping it between one and three, between compared to four and a half and five and a half. You've just got to be in the car. I mean, that, that that's the only way to drive it. You actually have to keep it at those revs all the time. It really responds and performs, and and it's just the noise that it makes at the end of the day. So, yep. they did use them for racing though at times, didn't they? Look, I think a couple of amateurs used them, um, and there was a car I, I do seem to remember that was converted for racing, um, but generally speaking, it was used as a road car. So just as a GT. Yeah. 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 Now, the the other, I mean, of the 250 range, they did the 250s from, what did we say, 50, 52 to 64? Yeah. 50, I think 52, 53, they were, they were building the early uh, 250s, and then uh, it... it uh, ended pretty much with the Lusso, and then they went into 275. But we were talking about the history of Ferrari here in Australia, or the first dealers to sell. The, these cars weren't sold new. Well, none were delivered in Australia, we know that. Not Lussos that I'm aware of, but there were certainly 
to my knowledge, there were 250 GTPFs that were delivered by Lowe's out of Melbourne. Um, and then certainly they, they bought in Ferraris. Um, uh, certainly bought, yeah, they bought Ferraris in. Um, there, there was a, um, a local dealer in Adelaide, so um, they used to they used to uh, deal in Ferraris and that would have been f- from memory from the, I'm going to say the early 60s. Okay. So there was actually a dealer in, in Adelaide that used to sell them, so... And in terms of, you know, we don't talk about value, but that was still the price of a house back then compared to, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have, they would have been up there. I don't know about the relative price of them. I mean, they were an expensive car, no doubt, um, but certainly they'd tail off quite severely. So they, uh, you know, a three or four or five-year-old Ferrari wasn't worth a lot of money um, compared to the purchase price. So, yeah. And what about, what about maintenance back then? Because did they have the technicians to be able to service them and do things that, you know, if something went wrong with them? Well, certainly in, in Melbourne, and, and I'm assuming they would have had to have somebody here, so I'm, I'm sure the dealer would have had to have been able to service the cars. But remember, it's a basic car at the end of the day, so I think any competent mechanic can actually service the cars. It's if you, it, it's just a matter of getting the right parts for the cars. So as long as you've got the right parts, I think a competent mechanic can look after them. Yeah, and I think nowadays uh, there's a fair few that can look after them. I think, and if you need parts, you know, with the internet, you can get you can get plenty. Well, of stuff. Are, are parts for that two fifty Luso easily easy to find? I mean, I know it's a couple of vent. You know, I, I replaced my vent uh, whole gates on the top were cracked. I noticed one was cracked on top of on the left hand side. Are they easy to find for that particular model? Oh, look, I think any of those plastic parts would be remade these days. Okay, so we'd find those. If you've had a long involvement with this type of car, you've got a network of people you know who to go to. So um, I don't find it particularly difficult to find parts, um, but it's just a matter of I've got those contacts that I've built up over many years of of having the cars. And so to get that car, let's say, we said it's a classic, to get it classique certified by Ferrari, what... What does what has to happen to that car now? If you said I want to get it classique now, by the factory, I think you need to uh, uh, find a lot of money. Um, that's the first thing, right? And you send it back to the factory, and uh, they put their stamp of approval. So they'll go through the car from um, start to finish, and photograph and document everything, and make sure the cars, the original numbers that uh, left the factory, um, and they'll go go through it. But it's a it's a as I understand a very expensive exercise. So yeah, so we're not going to do that. Well, anyway, some do. Well, I don't see a need to. Some do. Some do. But I, I did want to ask, actually, you had the privilege of actually driving my uh, 74 GT4. Now, that's actually what we call a driver, so it's nowhere near the quality of, oh, it's of te- yours. Ten years after. Um, but how did you go with that, Grant? Oh, I loved it. I really enjoyed wandering through the hills and uh, and chasing you or trying to keep yeah. up with you. As oh, you you're were. keeping up. You'd be yeah. keeping up, no problem. But, um, yeah, but Yeah, exactly. What, what were you... What was that driver? It's, it's, like? a, it's a completely different car to drive. So the, the Lusso is a lot older technology and, and therefore tends to float and bounce around a bit more. The, the Dino was a much more secure little car. It was a delight to drive. So yeah, I think what, you've got to be a lot more aware in the 250 Mick driving with braking and things like that. Yeah, the braking particularly, uh, it's not so much through the hills because, you, you know, you're driving and you know where your, your brake lines are. But if, if you're going through the city... And you're too close to someone in front, and they've got better brakes, of course, because they're modern. Yeah, well, you don't want to do that in these no. cars. I mean, just keep yeah. plenty of distance. Yeah, correct, and that's what we were doing. So you, you know, you got to be mindful of that. But it was good to look 
look in the rear vision mirror and see you there. So that was that was good too. Oh, I was but, keeping a watchful eye on you. Yeah, oh, good, <laughs> good, good. Uh, but look, we've had, we certainly had some fun with that. Now, in terms of your your love of these cars, you've had these sorts of cars for a long time, all right, and. Over a period of time, because we've only owned Ferraris for a little bit, you know, we say Ferraris, but uh, a handful sort of thing. Over a period of time, your entertainment levels change or your perception and what you want to do with cars changes as well? Oh, very much so. Yeah. I mean, um, I just think it's a um, cars are just another form of socialising with, with a like-minded bunch of people. Yep. So um, I've sort of, I have a view that you buy a car or you actually you work out what event or what you want to do and then you buy a car that suits that. Yeah. So that's always been my, my view. If I want to go and do a particular race or a partic- enter a particular event, I find the car that's suited to that and then generally you migrate to a good bunch of people at the end of the day. So. And that's why you, you know, the open wheel racing sort of, you're enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about that on a previous podcast that if you were going to buy another car, you've got to ask yourself some questions. What do you want it for? What are you going to use it for? You know, it's not just because I want it just for a collection or, or whatever you're doing. Well, if that's the case, that's the case too. But, yeah. um, and it's like you're saying, if you want to go into racing or something else, then you buy appropriate cars. I mean, look. I think driving this car today through the hills, the amount of thumbs up, okays, you know, high fives that people were giving us just driving and seeing this car on the road. That, and they wouldn't the know what it, it was. it brings to people to see something so classic out on the roads driving is exactly what it's built for. So yeah. we're giving back to the community by driving these cars. There you go, Grant. That's what we're doing. And I'm Absolutely sure a lot of them wouldn't gorgeous. know what that is. No, well, no, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. matter at the end of the day. I mean, it's just a great to see old cars out on the road and people enjoying them. Correct. Yeah. Those yeah. Barani wheels with a knockoff. Oh. Yeah, I mean that's that's something else. They have got the. Um, that was one of the first cam tails, wasn't it? Is it the call it the cam tail? The back. It is a cam tail. So yes. It Why is it called a cam tail? Do you know? Or, but because sometimes they saw it's it's cam. It's a it's a longer name and they shorten it to cam tail, which is because I understand Enzo never really liked visible spoilers unless it's a, yeah, a, yeah. a track car or something but otherwise the road cars he tried to make their aerodynamics look as part of the car now yeah. it, the 250 there's a short wheelbase which we know that's one of my favorite and then there's a long wheelbase also or is that the lusso is the long wheelbase no, no, there's the same long, uh, same so, wheelbase. So there must be another one, isn't there? there? Must, well, there were uh, Elena's and Bawano, yes, and um, whether Europa. Or not, I, yeah, so I think that there might have been a difference in the chassis there. I, but but that's something I don't know. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. So there were different coach builders. Like yeah. this one here is Pinafarina design, but Scaglietti coach builders. You know, yeah. so there were different coach builders and different designers. So Enzo would do the chassis and the engine, and where you go, put on your body. So now, Grant, you're not driving this car every week. You know, I think it's the second time it's been out this year. You were saying you still do yearly maintenance, yearly servicing on a vehicle like this. Cars are always serviced every year. All fluids, everything drained. You've just got to look after them. The tires? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, no, that's because well, we were yeah. discussing it too. Because the thing, uh, a smaller tire, and we're saying, I wonder how old the tires are. Yeah, well, the thing because is, if you, I oh, know they got replaced. So oh, they, they do, yeah, they do have to get replaced. Since you owned it. Yeah, obviously, yeah, they've been replaced a couple of times. Yeah, so even just sitting there, you still got to replace them because as the tyres get old, even if you're not using them, yeah. they still need to be replaced. Yeah, because if I if they're over a certain time, then even the insurance won't cover you. I don't think, possibly not. But anyway, we won't worry about that at the moment. Yeah. But in terms of the yearly maintenance, 
you do need to do it. We talked about yep. it before, whether you drive them or not. So drop the oil and do the normal stuff that you need to do. You get the longevity out of the car that way. That's the way you look. You know, keep the motors going for for however long that, that they go. So yeah, well, that was what I was surprised about. The whole car, I mean, there was no rattles or anything. I mean, oh. just very smooth. Everything was smooth. This, I, I, was, I was surprised about that. I, I suppose comparing to my GT4 that does need a little bit of, um, you know, needs a birthday present for the front suspension. Well, you can't hear things in it, so it's, it's actually quite noisy, so you, you can't hear the rattles. Oh, is that yeah. right? Is that why? Oh, that's, uh... No, but Grant, what did you say when, you know, you told us to take it up to 5,000 revs to really hear the engine roaring? You said you saw some black smoke coming out while you were following us. So. It's just having a good clear out. So it, it, the car needs that sort of clean out every now and then. So you actually give it a, a good punch. It'll it'll punch the stuff out of the exhaust and away she goes. And then she'll breathe freely and run really well after that. So. And well, I- it certainly ran well. There's no doubt. And yet, as I said, after the first half an hour, 20 minutes, it was it came into its own. Look, I, ju- I couldn't take the smile off my face, Mick. I mean, you're sitting in part of history. I, I just kept saying one word, Enzo, 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 because phenomenal. Yeah. You know, so lucky. So, Grant, thank you so much for allowing us to sit in your car, drive your car, and just you know, experience what it means to drive a classic Ferrari because it was just – it blew my – Mind, but the I'm problem is, Ori, does that change your perception or oh. your inclination of what you want to do no, with, in the future? Well, we all know that I've been wanting to buy uh, two, um, a two four six Dino, we know that, and now definitely I want an old classic, so definitely Absolutely. no modern cars, no then. modern cars. I'm a bit with Grant on that, I don't like the modern ones. Well, he didn't say he doesn't like the it's modern ones, it's not I don't like them, I just, I just prefer the old cars, yeah, and I do too now, Mick. And, and look, there's no doubt. I mean, you're driving one of those, you're involved in the driving experience. So. But there's nothing, there's no digital, there's nothing that can go wrong. I mean, what really can go wrong in one of those cars? A fuse comes loose. Well, you can get out on the side of the road and fix it. That's, that's, that's that, one of the yeah, great generally things. Correct. So, so right. I, I reckon they're fantastic. I mean, it's a real analogue drive versus a digital drive that you have yep. today in modern cars. I mean, you can drive that car at... You know, 80 or 90 kilometres an hour and you feel as though you're doing 150. Correct. You get in a modern car and it's silent, does everything properly. Um, these cars are a real experience to actually get in. Well, yeah. we started to roll out of the driveway silent and Mick forgot to turn it on, so I thought it was a bit of an electric. I think I stalled it, actually. I think I stalled it. <laughs> but what the other thing, just before we go, the other thing I noticed is the steering is actually reasonably light. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've got the bigger wheels on my GT4. My steering on the GT4 is a lot hard, a lot stiffer than the, than the Lusso. If you ran some tyre pressure in it, it would probably be okay. Well, I did bump it up. It's did bumped you? up, it's yeah. Over 5 PSI now, is it? It's more than 5. I think at one stage I was running 38 or 40, I think, at the front. But, you know, I think it tells you something that you probably should stick to the rims and the tyres that were made for the car. That's what they're designed for. Yeah, then. correct. So that's what I'm going to do with the blue one. And you were surprised at how the temperatures all held so well, all the gauges, oil, water, everything just maintained extremely well. You do get some heat, though, coming inside the car after a while. Well, the first thing there is they're Italian gauges, so, you know, you don't oh, know they whether they're working, so they might oh, be, no. you know. Right, no, just because the clock didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, they don't work on anything. But the, the, um, you have to tap them and make sure that they're yeah, actually exactly working, right. so as long as you tapped all the, the gauges. Yeah. But the temperature gauge was working, and it keeps actually quite cool, which I thought they warm up a bit, the V12s. No, but no, if you, you keep your cooling system right, you, you know, that's part of the maintenance of that car is that everything's flushed and the radiators are kept clean. and So as long as, long as you maintain your car properly, then they're fine. 
Yeah, because that, that I was I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I didn't even go to halfway, which uh, which was pretty good. And so, uh, same same with this V twelve cam belts every five years and things like no, that. It's, no, it's got a chain. Oh, it's chain. got a chain. Yeah. So the chain does it? Does it? You have to adjust the chain. Have they got tensioners to adjust it, or is that? I'm who knows? assuming so. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's but you don't change the change, do you? I suppose they wear out as well. Well, but you they will. That many so miles. when you when you do a rebuild with them, you're always going to change the the chain. You put a new chain and tensioner in there. So. But if you look so at it, there's not, room not in like there. the modern. So not like a 360 where you've got to pull do do the belts generally every two years. It, no, 360 two every, years. every five years. Five Four years. To five they've years. changed it. A right, bit, have yeah. they? The 355. <laughs> 355. Five but the engine's, that's engine out. Yeah. 360's behind the seats. But thanks, Grant. Um, there were, now you made me lose my train of thought what I was going to say about the, the tensioners and the belts. Yes. Yeah, we we're talking about how often do you have to change them, but, I mean, but they yeah. have changed. They used to say three in the book, I think, but now people are saying four or five, but I've got no idea. I normally change mine at four. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of having to change, take the engine out to change belts. But, you know, you, you get a Ferrari, you don't buy it for that particular reason, do you? You buy it for the, the thrill and the joy of it, and then the maintenance cost comes on top of that. Yeah, you don't worry about the maintenance cost, do you? Yeah, otherwise right. don't buy it. You've got to be a passionate buyer of the cars, that's, that's yeah. all. No, that's that's fantastic, Grant. Look, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, we're having a bit of fun through the hills. So thanks again, Grant. But uh, we're going to leave it there, Ori. No, thank you, Grant. Like You're I welcome, said, guys. That's a dream come true. Certainly for me it was. Yep. And uh, I know you you as well, Ori. Yep. So anyway, you can catch us on the show at mickandori at gmail.com. And of course, there'll be some Instagram shots and maybe TikTok. So we're going to leave it there. And remember... If your car's not a classic... It will be one day. Thank you. Thanks, guys.